Radio. Oh my goodness, oh, what is this pain? What sorcery is this? Why did I drink last night? Oh man, I, I am, I swear I'm not okay. I'm experiencing pain in places and body organs I didn't even know I had. Why the hell do my ovaries hurt, man? Like, whew. Look, if you're going to drink some stuff, just can we stick to local brew and like the things we know? Because rum? No, Jamaicans just drink different. I think they put some of the good good in it, man. Also, there are people I'm going to quit drinking with. Welcome to the show. I'm Daniel Omar. And see me out if you can, because woo, I may have just lost my voice. It's RX Radio. And it's that show where the wrong guy has the right ideas most of the time. And speaking of drinking with the wrong people, let's want to make a comment on bad influences before I continue with this show. Be careful the people you hang out with, man. Be very careful the people you hang out with, because... Oh, they just want to get you on their level. Whether their level is up those ends or down these ends. Eh? Like, those ends! Like, ooh, for, for your own safety, there are those you should avoid. Especially people who drink certain specific kinds of things and then say, nah, it'll be fine. It's not that serious. It is that serious. My liver sent me a retirement letter. I've just refused to sign it. I'm like, okay, fine. I will treat you better. I'll increase your work benefits. Hydration. I'm putting a water tank by the bed i promise i will do better i have apologized to my liver now i'm going to have to make up for it with candy and roses it's that serious man i think we have a drinking problem in uganda we're just scared to admit it but we do among other problems and the funny thing about life is when you don't drink everybody wants to buy you alcohol but when you do become an alcoholic nobody wants to buy you pombe anymore and all they do is sit by watch you and judge like uh, look what he became yeah, some of you help in making people into these things. I'm not talking about me. Yes, random rant. I just needed to get it out of my system. And I always find it funny because people who are genuinely bad influences, and you know yourselves, you are bad influences. It's not that you're bad people, but you are bad influences. I think sometimes you need to admit that you're a bad influence to other people. I'm a bad influence to fellow gamers man because i will keep you playing with me and for like 15 hours man so yeah i kind of get it and i know people who are just bad influences when it comes to hanging out and drinking i i met one last night actually no let me rephrase that i've known them my whole life but i hadn't met them like that until last night so now i have allowed Woo-wee, it is serious weird thing is when you do die no one will ever admit they helped they helped you reach the grave like early or, or just generally. No one will ever admit it. Like you could be smoking with someone your whole life. You guys could be hitting a blunt day day together. Oh, cigarettes even. Whatever it is you're smoking. Shisha. All that. And then they're interviewing them. And like, so what happened to him? I don't know. I don't know. We were always there smoking together. You know, Shisha. We partied together. We drank a lot. We barely drank water. But man... I think it's malaria that took him out. Like, they'll always blame it on something else. So, I'm just saying, be careful. Yeah, be very careful, man. And this message goes out to everyone, not just the adults or the kids. Okay, mostly the kids, because I've been watching this whole pipeline saga, this e-cop thing, which I haven't really had the time to follow. And people keep telling me to comment on it, but I, I, I don't want. I don't want. But it keeps falling on my lap, like strippers, for some reason. And... 
the most recent development, right? It's it's the whole war between the EU and Museveni saying going from my oil to our oil and then saying the EU is being intrusive, you know, all that stuff. If they don't want, we're going to partner with someone else. And uh, his partners turned out to be secondary school students. <laughs> because how else do you explain a bunch of kids coming out of school to go riot on the streets over oil? I'm an adult, right? Proper full 35-year-old adult. And I don't get the whole ECOP thing. And part of the reason I don't want to talk about it is because I don't get it yet. I don't understand it in enough detail to go into it. So what makes you think a kid in high school whose favorite artist is like Billie Eilish, whose stuff I don't understand, right? What makes you think these teenagers with raging hormones and this crazy horn and having to wake up at 4 a.m. to read and then sleep at 11 while ironing uniforms, washing clothes, cleaning the school and following schools, very strict school rules like you can't buy lunch from the canteen, right? With, with all these things going on in their lives, which are not that serious once you grow up, but then you realize and appreciate the damage they did to you. These are the people you're picking to riot about oil, pipelines, and stuff? The kids? Teenagers? Like, yo, we all need to sit down. Like, if you're a parent listening into this show, I think you need to discuss certain things with the school if it allowed your kid to go out on that riot. I understand kids going for chakam chaka. I understand kids going for Independence Day celebrations. I get that. But rioting over oil pipelines? Ah, they don't understand enough about oil. I mean, why wasn't it kids from like Kaboja, Lincoln, or one of those high-profile, you know, big international schools? It was these local kids, like I said. The way they pick the names of the schools of kids who riot, it's... It, it, it has saint in it, then some other cool sounding, okay, like a regular Catholic name. And then the word college, which is usually completely misused in the Ugandan context. I mean, they call it college, but you don't even have the freedom to leave the gate without a permission slip. Lol. And after that, they have some random Luganda name. So it's usually going to be something like St. Mary's College, Nabulime. One of those random, these are the kids who are going out to riot, who know nothing. And then at the end, they stop at Colorado airstrip get rewarded with a soda just to replenish their sugar because teenagers these guys can run on vibes and sugar for like an entire afternoon why why why, why are they picking the kids man it bothers me that we've put so much more resources into children rioting about things they don't understand than adults actually coming out to speak on issues that matter because why do kids have a police lead car it's a protected riot. It's shielded. It's it's basically, yeah, you're not allowed to touch these kids. And okay, fine. Thank you for that. But is this really the biggest issue we have right now? Is, is it though? I mean, the oil pipeline is a big deal. I'm not discrediting it or saying it shouldn't be a thing. But the people whose voices we've chosen to air the issue. Children? And I say children because even teenagers are children. You're a kid until you're 18. And you're still a kid even after. I know people who are kids way into their late 20s. So don't tell me that Mbu, they act mature enough to understand oil. Like the closest they've come to oil is Vaseline, man. How, how are you giving these guys the right to go out and make noise on behalf of a nation and air people's voices? 
Why? This is like the whole Greater Thunberg issue again. Umbu, uh, a teenager for climate change, yet she's supposed to be in school. Let her write essays in school and those essays can win awards. But she's traveling the world instead of being in class. That's the problem I have. These children should be in class, not outside politicking. And what's weird is, the kids are politicking and it's allowed, yet they are in the wrong place. They are supposed to be in school. The adults who actually maybe have the time and the resources to be out here making noise about this thing will get tear gassed if they come out. It doesn't make sense to me that we are using <laughs> people who don't get the point to make a point. I'm sure the EU is just sitting there like this. Uganda. Anyway, we, are, we have issues. Me, all I'm saying is, if you're getting behind something, at least understand why you're getting behind it. Because I get the feeling a lot of these kids just came out so they could have a kid's day out of school. Step out of school, breathe some fresh air, look at the city, just get away from your problems. You know, because school is stressful. Those things are prep time at 4 a.m. Uh, a curriculum that's designed to make you study 17 subjects in senior one. It's some trashy stuff, right? You, you would want a break and you take any opportunity to leave the school premises with permission that you got. But don't be fooled into thinking that your opinion matters just because you are used for a cause. Cause may be legit, yes. Uh, as far as I understand this oil pipeline thing, yeah, I think we, we, we somehow deserve fair terms for our oil and stuff. But it's not the kids supposed to be putting that out. Where are the consultants? Where are the specialists? Where are the environmental activists? They are there, but they are not going to be listened to. Instead, we are going to be presented by a bunch of teenagers with raging hormones and soda as the reward and that's the voice we are supposed to listen or the voice the eu is supposed to listen to and you guys keep wondering why we're not taken seriously as a country <laughs> i keep saying these things ah you know matter keep drinking with your bad influence friends just like these children hanging around with the wrong people and getting the wrong tips and by wrong people i don't mean bad people like i said you can be a good person but just a bad influence yeah, take some time to think about it during the break as we play some music. I'm going to give you something that matches your mood and vibe as you contemplate your role in the destruction of other people. It's Hear Me Out with Daniel Omara. Be back in a bit. You're listening to RX Radio. Hear me out, hear me out. Water is your friend. Drink some. It helps with hangovers. <laughs> this is a testimony from Daniel Omara. It's Hear Me Out on RX Radio. Welcome back to the show. And today we're talking bad influences. Hence the need for the water. It is your friend. It is your buddy. It will save your life. Unless you live in Boise, in which case we may need to revise the whole rhetoric, especially in the rainy season. But that's a topic for another day. Me, I'm just jazzing about how these kids are getting dragged into oil pipeline drama which they hardly understand. They're leaving school to riot about things that, yes, to be fair, have a lot to do with them because they are the future. And like I said, I get the symbolism of having them being the ones to riot, but I don't think they are the right voice to be putting this out. And especially by, you know, going through the city rioting over oil pipelines. You could stay in school and write essays about how you feel about the oil pipelines. I think that would be a better representation. Because why are we allowing the kids to make noise about the oil pipelines? But when the adults get up to riot about things that actually make sense, we shut them down. 
the oil thing is important but there's lots of other issues that are also equally important why is this in particular allowed to be voiced and specifically by a group of people we genuinely can't be taking advice from i mean when's the last time you got advice from a teenager Kids occasionally say sensible stuff. And I, when I say kids, I mean everyone from babies to teenagers. Yes, they may have developed mentally over the course of time, but overall, they are still children. Okay, fine, let me say children. When's the last time you got advice from children? Like, they'll give you epiphanies, they'll give you a one-liner that brings some stuff into realization, but you will never get a consistent thread of tweets like... Picture a 14-year-old on Twitter. There is no way you're going to have a 14-year-old spewing a series of coherent, sensible tweets with life advice that you could actually learn from. Unless this kid is possessed by the ghost of some guy who died years ago and died at like 90. That's the only way that's going to happen. I, which I don't think that's like a normal occurrence. I mean, how, how many ghosts do you know trending on Twitter in other people's bodies? So the teenagers have a, a right to an opinion, right? But also they need to understand this thing better. And they are not the best people to be championing the cause of the oil pipeline thing. I feel like this is a shortcut. This, this is like, oh, let's make it about the next generation and hear their voices while ignoring the advice of the actual adult specialists. Meanwhile, the specialists also, we need to talk about those. I think they have their biases and their positions that they've taken and would love to retain their jobs. So anything said against the ongoing narrative may be problematic to the sustenance of their finances and lifestyle. So they would rather keep quiet about it. I can get you keeping quiet about it, but don't drag the teenagers into it on behalf of adults who are keeping quiet. And then don't let teenagers speak also on behalf of adults who you could be listening to. I've seen people tweeting. I've seen adults tweeting who actually have opinions that make sense in regards to the topic and the issue at hand but the people rioting are the teens so anyway if i catch my nephew on the streets talking about oil pipelines when he doesn't know when they ask him a question about it and he's like yeah man we need less prep time uh, council morning prep oil pipelines are bringing problems in school lunch because they keep feeding us paraffin <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because all of us have tested paraffin in our food at some point in school. Did you know it's deliberate, by the way? It's deliberate. Apparently, it's put there to limit your libido, to kill your teen horn. So if you ever tested paraffin in your food, it wasn't because they left the paraffin next to the beans by accident, because that doesn't even make sense. Yes, I know fuel stations have like food hubs and stuff within, and they sell edibles, but... No one has ever put the fried chicken right next to the fuel pump. There's a space between them. So you, you can't convince me that being fed paraffin in high school was by accident. But like I say, that's the limit of knowledge these kids have about oil and pipelines. What they ate in their meals. They're not the right people to be having an opinion on the issue. So this goes to the parents, as mostly the parents. Just if you see your kid in these riots, pull them out. It's not their place. They don't belong there. You'd be saving them because you don't want a kid having illusions of grandeur on a topic that they don't even comprehend. Should they? Yes, let them get educated a little more on it before they go jumping out and making noise. Make this a topic in general paper. Teach it in class. You know, talk about it. 
discuss it. Get the facts, get the details because I think general paper is the only paper that allows people to like study current affairs effectively because our curriculum hasn't really evolved to cater for it. We're still on the St. Lawrence Seaway which gives us an advantage over the Americans because most of them don't even know what that's about but why are we those ends yet we have our own problems here? So add it, put it in, add it to general paper. Let's talk about it, let's discuss it in GP and for his kids, just about it on assembly, like introduce oil randomly as a topic because I would like to think they're studying it by now. I checked with a friend of mine who teaches geography in high school and he said, yeah, it's it's sort of there, but it, it's not like there, there. It's an A-level thing. And I think it should be studied a little earlier. Maybe it's just me, but if you plan on going to the oil sector, there's no point starting to learn about these things as like a 17-year-old. Yet at 13... You have more time and idleness to engage in this stuff. And if you explained it and said, that's where Vaseline comes from, believe me, every boy jacking off is going to be like, oh my God, that was my inspiration for my sex life. And they'll go and learn about oil because they need more Vaseline. You need to start teaching this stuff earlier. You can't have ignorant kids running around spewing chants that were written for them, holding placards that were printed out for them on Manila. Like... First of all, find better quality paper. Like, can we get like PVC material that is reflective? So even if they riot in the dark, it's high quality. Cars driving by can shine a light on the issue and have it visible. I'm trolling. But you get the point. I'm trying to make this. They need to know more before they can say more. You just generally need to know more than you say. Can't be the other way around and still make sense. And with that said, check your kids' parents. This stuff should not be acceptable can't have kids running around rioting on behalf of the people who should be speaking. And it's not because the people who should be speaking are not speaking. I mean, there's that category, but it's majorly because we are trying to overshadow the voices of the people who actually have valid opinions by saying the next generation should be represented. We're doing a diversity quota thing. Oh yeah, let, let's put the kids into it also so that we can hear their opinion and then tell the kids what to say. These kids have no right to be striking or walking around the city making noise in uniform, moreover. And whichever school allows this, we need to talk. Whichever schools allow this, I'm not going name and shame, but parents know them. And I think the parents, the PTA, there's a whole conversation to be had on the topic with the school. And I will leave it at that and wait for the updates. Then I can draw a little more into this topic because your oil is precious, man. It keeps things lubricated. And we all love lubrication. <laughs> Which is why I need more water for my throat. Yeah, those of you with nasty thoughts, Bambi, I can't help you. I'm just going to go drink some more water and uh, be back in a bit. See me out with Daniel Omar on RX Radio. Hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out, hear me out. You're listening to RX Radio. All the cool hits you need right here. And the trumpets, there you go. Hey, it's Taylor Swift. Hey, what up? I'm Jason Derulo. Yo, what up? It's Big Snoop, yo. RX Radio. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Hear me out with Daniel O'Mara, where the wrong guy has the right ideas. I am the perfect bad influence. Yeah, sometimes. Because usually I'm just speaking my mind, and which I think is okay. I 
think it's okay. Cancel culture makes it look like speaking your mind is a bad thing. Yeah, sometimes it's toxic, but you won't know whether you're right or wrong until after the opinion has been dissected and digested outside an echo chamber. That's what we're here to discuss. Me, I'm just here for the children, man. Like, in all the right ways, I just don't want them being dragged into the madness of all this crazy stuff. So, yo, check your kids, man. Check on your kids, actually. Just make sure they're not being put in riots where they don't belong. And just like border guys. Because I, I think border guys just end up in so many places they don't belong because they don't listen. It's like a culture that needs to be developed in Uganda. And when I say places they don't belong, I mean trenches, roadsides, the grave. Because border guys are dying by the numbers every single day. Like, we have a crazy number of border accidents. Where am I coming from with this? The video that was recently released by Uganda police and the, what I call the CCTV Association. You know, ever since Uganda got those uh, cameras and stuff, there's been wild footage going around. Um, assassinations, everything, man. They, they put them out there. Killings, riots. Footage which conveniently disappears when we need an investigation done, but then is readily available for random things like border border accidents. Anyway, we take what we can get. So, recently, Uganda police released CCTV footage of border accidents. A bunch of them. Most of which, in my opinion, were avoidable. As an avid border passenger, because I, I like my peace. That statement does not make sense if you're not a fan of borders. Here is why I say that. When I say I like my peace, so I take borders, it's because driving in Kampala will give you psychological problems. I won't lie. I have driven my car and others, and Kampala will just drive you nuts. And a lot of you are thinking, yeah, I mean, Kampala has crazy taxis and border borders. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not even talking about the border borders and the taxis. That's me undermining the situation. It's the people in general. Undertrained drivers who paid for permits. The system is broken. You can go in, pay a certain amount, get a permit and drive the way you want. Even Uber has drivers who are not trained. Like, there's so many things going wrong. The border borders and the taxis aside... The drivers are horrible. The pedestrians are worse because I hate that thing where someone crosses the road at the slowest pace and then when you're about to kill them with your car is when they remember to jog. Not run. Jog. Not dive. Jog. Or even trot. That last trot of like one, two, three steps to get off the road before you kill me. Yet they saw you coming from a mile away and they were walking lazily. All those things on Kampala roads will freaking drive you nuts. Also, I don't drive mostly because I like to read billboards. There's always something weird going on. <laughs> There's always something to see on the roadside. So I love borders because they allow you to just sit and do your thing, right? But you can't just sit and do your thing when you're on a border. Because of late, man, the accident rate has gone up. Now, most people would blame the borders and say, these guys are reckless riders. And I am not going to go for the other people in this topic. I'm going to focus on the border borders because yeah reckless as the drivers are wild as the taxi people are crazy as the pedestrians may be border borders i would not say they do not have their issues because like i said it's people and they are part of the people and part of the problem because so many of them are uneducated both 
academically and in regards to road rules and driving skills generally everything they don't care they never bother to go to school to study any of this they just showed up found a bike picked a stage started riding found a guy who gave them like a crash course of like two days and then they're just the most reckless people and they go wild on it now i watched the footage and most of these accidents like i said earlier could have been avoided many of them was just recklessness and sheer arrogance like i saw one where there was a head-on collision between two border borders who just refused to give right of way to each other didn't reduce speed didn't contemplate avoiding the other they just went in and they both had passengers and just collided because yeah man i see you oh homeboy what up what up what up how you doing yeah boom bash <laughs> headbutt that's like a greeting in the border culture i'm joking but it was crazy then i saw the border that survived a truck and had a mother and her child on the back it was so unnecessary for him to cut in front of that truck especially in that like the truck is coming from its own direction and you just cross the road with a passenger that has a kid on the back the one thing you need to understand about border guys is the objective actually let's start with the definition definition of a border border aptly named bike two wheel preferably usually uh associated with a bunch of brands Bajaj, ETC but they didn't pay for sponsorship so I'm not going to mention them uh, but just to tell you how crazy the border pandemic is there's a whole place in Arua district named Senke Ward Senke is a type of border brand that's popular in West Nile and there's an entire ward dedicated to accidents from border borders and it is gruesome it is gruesome so I would say never take a border but that would be cheating because it's the easiest way to get around in Uganda. Why? Because border to border, they are fast. They are quick. They'll get you to where you're going, dead or alive. That's why they're called border border. You could be, you, you know, between the border of life and death. Like, it could go any kind of direction. You just have to know what you're up against. So I can't tell people don't take border borders because there are people who've taken border borders for quite some time and survived. You get the bike is not the problem. The means of travel is not the issue. It's like getting on a plane uh, with a drunk pilot and then blaming the aircraft. No, the bike is not the issue. It's a two-wheeler. You will survive. You'll get along perfectly well on the road as long as the rider understands what's going on. So people are always blaming border borders. No, the riders. The riders have their own issues going on. And for me, I'm just here to say... I've taken border borders since like 99. Because before that, I, I, I was living the good life. Yeah. Then we moved to Namuongo and I realized, hey, the world is different, man. Dad wasn't going to pick me up from school every day anymore. I had to find ways to get home. Sometimes walk, sometimes take a border. Improvise. So as a guy who has taken borders for about 22 years or so, I have some tips that are very crucial to your survival. And the basis of all the tips I'm about to give you, the, the most basic thing you need to understand is that all of it revolves around you, not the rider. The decisions you make for yourself, that's what matters. 
you are the only person who can save yourself in this regard because the border's objective is to get you from point A to point B as fast as possible so they can pick their next passenger and repeat the process to make as much money as possible for whatever reason you literally don't matter except financially so today i'm here to save your life and these tips i'm going to give you in detail after the break on hear me out with daniel omara keep it rx Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Your day just got better by tuning into RX Radio. Let's go. RX Radio. All right, vroom vroom vroom. Oh, in this case, because we're on a bike. <laughs> so, Mara Daniel, RX Radio, hear me out. That's the name of the show. Welcome back. It's good to have you guys. And today we are talking, among other things, border borders, border culture, and the whole idea of you know how to survive on border borders. Because after watching the CCTV footage police released, <laughs> some of you are traumatized, but you don't realize that this is daily life for some of us. I've had to get from one gig to another on a bike. December is hectic. You don't have time to drive through traffic to go to an event. You take the border. Now, one of the things I'm going to teach you guys about is how to select your border borders. Actually, let me start with the things that people do wrong when they jump on a border, right? The biggest mistake you're making is assuming that your safety is a priority to this border guy. It's not. It's like a taxi owner assuming that the safety of the vehicle is a priority to the taxi driver or the well-being of the vehicle matters to the taxi driver. No, as long as they get their cut at the end of the day, they don't care how they treat your car. You're the one who fixes the car. My dad owned a taxi. Two actually. And we learned a very valuable lesson. It was a business of losses. You have to be a special kind of person to survive in that line of work. Same thing with the border mentality. It's never their problem or their fault. That's for the ones you don't know. And I will always say, don't jump on a border border and leave your well-being entirely up to them. Guide them. That's rule number one. You jumped on that bike? Yes. Don't wear your headphones. Sit and expect them to take you where you're going safely. No. You dictate a lot of things. Usually when you're handling border guys, like I said, there are people who come from wherever they're coming from, grab a bike and think, let me make as much money as possible in the least time possible while doing the craziest stuff I can. Most of these are young men in their early 20s and there's nothing more dangerous than post-teenage men who have nothing to lose. Learn that today. Men in their 20s are crazy. We take the wildest risks because we have time. We have energy. We heal like Wolverine. We practically don't die. We believe we are invincible. That's the guy whose bike you're jumping on. With that said, you have to be equally as big-headed as a passenger to the bike guy just to get your way. First things first, dictate the road they use. Because if you allow them to dictate, either they're going to take the longest road available 
And when I say longest, I don't mean in terms of distance. It could even be time. They're going to go through traffic just to make you pay more until your auntie, now, now we will have a traffic jam. You don't understand it. That kind of madness. No. You tell them where to pass. You tell them where to go. You tell them which route to use. You tell them how to overtake, which side of the road to overtake, which means you as well have to have knowledge of the traffic laws. You tell them to stop at the red light. You dictate. The border guy is just the guy riding the bike. You are the passenger. I don't like using the term normalize things, but normalize getting off a bike that isn't giving you the service delivery you want. Safe border came along and some of them are decent, not the ones who miss training day. Some of them are decent. But most borders are indisciplined because no one is telling them what to do. So sometimes just tell a border guy, stop, I'm getting off. Tap him, tell him stop here and just get off and walk away. Like you have to make certain things clear. Yeah, usually we are in a hurry and we think, yeah, yeah, you know, it's not that big a deal. But I'm telling you as a guy who has been through like five border accidents and survived them all with organs intact and no permanent damage to my body, you are one life decision away from dying when it comes to border borders. And I'm not exaggerating. This is just facts. You need to get with the program. You need to tell that guy. Because if you don't tell them, don't overtake from the left. Don't ride in the middle of the road. Because it means now cars have to overtake you from the left. And you're more into the way of oncoming traffic. Like these are things you have to dictate. But if you don't know the rules then you're not going to help yourself either. So you have to understand traffic in order to be able to guide the border guy. You have to have knowledge in order to give knowledge. So don't take it for granted that the border guy knows what to do. Most of them don't. They didn't go to like riding school. Like these guys have better riding game in their bedrooms than they do on their bikes. I mean, I've met a border guy with like eight kids and I'm like, how do you survive? And that's his only gig. That's the person you're living your life in the hands of? Bad idea. You have to dictate. Because if you don't, you will die. Like it's survival strategy 101. You're in charge of your safety. Dictate how they operate. And if they can't take your rules, and you have to be sure that your rules are the better option. If they can't take your rules, then get off that bike and get on another one. And one of the best ways to secure that to make sure that you're dealing with a bike guy who's fairly reasonable, right? Is first of all to have a border guy. A border guy is uh, the Webster definition of a border guy. I'm kidding. There's no Webster definition of a border guy. <laughs> but a border guy is that guy who rides a border whom you can trust. It's like, as men... I don't know about women. I don't know if this applies. But every guy I've talked to, each of my friends knows, when they enter a new neighborhood, the first thing they do is try out the border guys at the nearest stage to see which one is reliable and effective. You need a border guy. Because a border guy who understands what's up could be the difference between life and death. And having an effective border guy could basically mean you could deliver whatever it is you want to deliver or pass on without having to be on that bike. And trust me, not being on the bike is going to save you a lot of time and injuries. 
it's a survival strategy. I'm speaking as a guy who has had the same body guy for seven years because I hate moving. I hate moving house. But you need a border guy in your life. Selecting them takes a while. It's a process. But just keep testing them with simple things to find out how effective and reliable they are. Send them to the shop to buy something. You know the exact price of. Like, I have a habit of passing by the supermarket, buying things I need and keeping the receipts and just going through them and keeping the records, right? So... About a day or two later, I'm going to send the border guy to the same supermarket and tell him specifically, go to this supermarket. I want you to buy this, this, that, 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 that. And let them come back with the shopping at the end of it all and see if they give me the same prices I got a few days before. This doesn't work if you do it like months later because inflation is crazy nowadays. We've seen fuel prices. It's going down now. But there's a time it was climbing like every three hours. So you do it like within a span of a day or so. Send them to get things whose prices you're familiar with and see what prices they bring you and what explanation they give. That's how you start counting them out. Then pretend to forget the change and see if they remind you. You're testing their trust. If they fail, you have to be strict with border people. Like It's like red flags are massive. One mistake gets you off the list. The guy I've been with for seven years that came out wrong the border guy i have worked with for seven years has gotten to the point whereby i would leave him with change of 20k and he would remind me maybe a day later and say hey yo bruv i i have your change from the other time i had an emergency so i used it but i've come back to give it to you i hope you don't mind i'm very sorry but here it is and i'm like okay okay he didn't have to he would have run, I would have known. Either he's smart enough to know that this was a test or he's just a genuinely good person. And if they survive the tests, then pretty much you can trust them. Also, they are con men. Beware, by the way, that some of these people just give you enough leeway to hang yourself. So the tests have to be a constant. You have to be a very strict person when you're dealing with border borders. It's not for jokes, but the tests are necessary because this is how you're going to survive the madness. Be very strict on accountability in regards to prices. When the prices change, ask why. What happened? Account for it. And also sometimes, you know, tip them. Once in a while, drop him an extra 1k, 2k just for vibes. I do it because I can afford it. If you can't, then just play the trust game properly. Do your thing. There's lots more to unpack on Boda Boda, guys. Because... You, you all don't understand. This is a whole art form, man. And I have a whole bunch of tips. I just gave you the bits of you picking a border guy and how to test them. And I use border guy because there's no border chick. So if you're coming here for political correctness and gender equality, I'm sorry, very few women are going into this career path. And also I'm going to explain why in the next bit of the show. Hear me out with Daniel Omara. Radio. Hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out. Ah, the DM. The DM is my enemy. Direct message. <laughs> Inbox. 
So those things, it's where people come to fight. And I don't blame them. It's the only place they can fight. And I always welcome opinions. Before I give them, let me welcome you back to the show. It's here, me out with Daniel Mara and Rx Radio. One of the messages I've got is, um, you know, the whole issue I ended with oh, in the last break of uh, why do you... Th- okay, actually, this is not a fight. This is an honest question. Sorry. I'm used to being attacked, so even me, I'm a bit defensive. The question is, why do you think women don't want to ride border borders? Well, because mostly it's impossible to organize. What I've noticed is women love a certain degree of order and organization, right? That's why they prefer to work in office spaces, the corporate world, you know, desk jobs, the ones that we call blue collar or white collar, that kind of field, because it's easier to organize. Women don't want to be in places like sewage. I mean, and by sewage, I don't mean the offices. I mean, like, going straight into, like, the depths of poop and stuff. Or coal mining. Or building skyscrapers. Because it's impossible to organize it structurally the way you want it. You can organize it the way you want it, but then it means guys can't work the way that is effective for them to achieve their objective. Like, if you went and tried to organize a coal mine in order of OCD. Like, I'm going to place this here and put that there to make sure that this place is clean. I don't think coal mines are meant to be clean. They are meant to be mined. So if you're asking why I don't think there's many women in the border culture, it's because they can't organize that industry. Why they vie for the corporate world? It's exactly that. They can organize it. Why most of them are great homemakers? They can organize things in the home. There's just, there's some places you can't organize. And I accept, I can't argue against women when they say they don't want certain jobs because they're impossible to, not because they're impossible to, that's not what they say. But I get that they don't want them because you can't organize it. And border borders are one of them. Taxi conducting is one of them. I've met like one female taxi conductor. But I don't want to make this about gender. I just want to talk about safety. In regards to picking borders. The advice I gave you is in regards to picking a border guy. One of the issues I want to put across, one of the parameters in selecting a border guy that I really need to talk about is pick a border guy who has a plan. And by plan, I mean, this is going to sound very discriminatory, but pick a hajj. (laughs) Pick a hajj. I don't know. I'm Christian, but I would readily pick a border guy with that, um, what do they call it? Intalabusi. That word just is confusing. But that hat, that thing on top, like the Muslim trademark. Yeah. Pick a guy who's wearing a, that Intalabusi. I don't know if it's an Intalabusi or a Intalabusi, but Intalabusi, pick that guy. Because usually, they have traits and characteristics that... Okay, let me just put it this way. Islamic banking is one of the most successful because Muslims are great with finances. Not all of them. There's the wild ones. But I've learned something about Islam. The fact that someone, most of them, the religion is against drinking and sleeping around, which are most of the things that stray men from actual success, financial or otherwise. It would be better for you to pick a Muslim. It sounds wrong. It is what it is. Look, if you're jumping on a border, 
with a guy you're sure doesn't drink. And most of the Muslim border guys I've had really genuinely don't drink. Yeah, they may have some other issue, too many wives, but they don't drink. They don't drink, they don't stray, they're not on random plot. You're not going to be with them in a bar. One of the tests I always give a border guy is, I tell him to take me to the bar and go into the bar with me. The ones who turn down the offer and say, I'll wait outside and bill you for waiting. Those are the ones I respect. I'm going to check their breath afterwards, no doubt. I'm still going to check their breath. But, you know, those are the ones I respect. The one who comes into the bar with me and we, we drink together, I'm calling an Uber. <laughs> because why? You're on a bike, it's a two-wheeler. How, how, how do you expect me to trust you to deliver me home safely when <laughs> you're here pushing Pombe with me? Drunk driving is bad enough. Drunk riding, that's like twice the danger. Not twice, three times. Because for every wheel you remove, it escalates by like times four. My math is horrible. It's like 16 times the danger if I were to calculate it incorrectly. I'm overestimating because I want you all to stay safe. Just don't deal with border guys who drink. This is not religion specific, but it's one of the things you need to know and understand about your border guy. Because chances are, once in a while, you're going to catch a bit of liquor in their breath. I've caught it. And once I pick that up, I am not traveling with you anymore. Or trusting you because I, I don't trust people who drink a lot this is contrary to what i said at the beginning of the show it's not that i drink a lot i just had a bad influence right from last night don't judge me thou shalt be fine also be careful about border guys with sunglasses because based on my experience with some guy called night rider i've learned the hard way that yo a lot of border guys wearing sunglasses are hiding like some crazy stuff like visual defects or a missing eye. I found out the hard way that this border guy had a missing eye. I mean, the helmet is enough. There's, there's a helmet. I wear glasses on borders, right? Usually. I wear glasses on borders. Just because you could be on a bike and a random insect is flying in the opposite direction and it will hit you right in the eye or debris from other cars or dust or flying particles, rocks, whatever. Neil deGrasse Tyson and his physics, something could enter your eye randomly, and you don't need that. But a border guy with a helmet, I think, is enough. I don't trust the ones with sunglasses. Also, I don't trust the ones without helmets, because how confident do you have to be to believe your head is invincible? Who do you think you are? Sure, there's only one invincible head, and it's not the one you used to think. So, you need to be clear. Check for the basics. A hardcore jacket, a helmet, and most importantly, a good-looking bike. It matters that the border guy has a clean bike. Because it means he cares. Either he's, he's polishing it or something. They take care of the things they have, which means they value the property. If they value the property, it means they value the customer. Because an accident would mean losing the property and the customer and if you have a border guy who loves his bike he knows very well that losing the bike means losing the customers in general because the bike is the source of income it's not you yeah you you have ideas you have a whole bunch of ideas but the reason you bought a bike is to set you up as a border guy to be able to finance the other ideas so if you lose the bike 
you understand the risk involved in losing the customers who depend on you because we move on from border guys very fast you call that guy three times and he's not effective you switch to another one if there is another one now me on average i have like five on standby different locations just ready to move so if they value their business they will value the source of income for their business and they'll keep it legit good looking and clean so i like border guys who have clean bikes yeah a bit of dust is normal but not like dirty to the point whereby you can see mud coming out of the exhaust pipe like have, have you been in those situations where someone accelerates and you see dust not smoke dust yo man that just gives me trust issues proper proper trust issues these are some of the things you need to consider because we always jump on border borders and just think yeah we'll be fine we'll be fine life goes on no it's not that simple it's not and these videos have proven to me that actually it isn't that simple it's that simple to die which means it's that hard to select an effective border guy who's going to stop you from you know the simple part of dying so yeah the selection process is very 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 important i'll be back with a list of more and then we can close this show officially because i care for you i love you guys you're important to me i don't want to lose listeners on border accidents that's why i'm doing this because you all matter hear me out daniel omara Hear me out with Daniel Omara, the man with a lot of scars on his shins. <laughs> It's Rx Radio. When I talk about scars on shins, I'm talking about, you know, we, we played as kids, we kicked each other, we got a bunch of injuries on our legs, and we just have those scars, right? It, it's normal to have scars on your shins. We're African. We played risky games. I'm an 80s baby who grew up in the 90s, and for us, the 90s in Uganda was the 70s in the USA. The rules were different. Actually, there were none. You had to be smart. It was natural selection. If you're stupid, you died. Period. If you're smart, you survived. If you're a hard guy, you lived. If you are soft, you died. I think it's the reason why humanity is on the decline because this generation tolerates so many soft people that the hard ones are the ones who get killed off because they're a threat to people's emotions. The point I'm trying to make is, right? Being a hard guy will save you in life. It will save you in life. With that said, I'm talking about things like scars. Scars are proof that you've been through stuff. You've seen things. Because I have friends in the military and I haven't met a single friend of mine from the military who does not have any scars of any sort. Like these guys have seen days. You have to get injured in the line of battle. Now, the difference between those who have old scars and new scars is how cool the scars look people with old scars understand scars are like from battle it shows your battle hardened you have worked people with new scars think oh these scars look cool what am i trying to say when you come to border borders please don't pick the guy with fresh scars 
like the guy who has like recent injuries they haven't really learned they have not <laughs> they haven't <laughs> they probably haven't evolved from the situation they're, they're recovering from wounds but they haven't learned the lesson yet because usually it means that's like one of your first scars and stuff but you find a guy with a hardcore scar like from the past and he's like and the moral lesson I learned from this thing is you guy don't ride too fast gear 4 is bad for boda boda what that's the guy you need to go with the scars are not the problem it's the duration in between to be fair normally it's hard to tell right because you don't know which scar is new and which one is old but would you proudly jump on a boda boda with a guy who has a fresh wound I wouldn't recommend it Fresh wounds are just a sign that this guy had a previous accident. Now here's why it's dangerous in my opinion. Either he's still reckless and still making mistakes and learning how to handle life properly. Or this is just who he is at the moment. And there's no story behind the scar. It's it's just we yeah, it's one injury. Life goes on. You know, we continue. You think what? One wounded, I'm going to stay down. No, no, I don't care. Me, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I hate what the guys who say they are fine when they're bleeding. Like, that's the most disturbing thing ever. Like, you ever seen a guy with a wound on his arm? And he's telling you, say, well, come and we go. I'm like, ah, nah, bruv, what happened there? Like, if, if it wasn't domestic violence or something, you could have avoided. Because even if it was a fight... It means this person could be fairly impulsive. Like it sounds judgmental, I know, but you guys need to understand when you're picking border cyclists, it's a life and death situation. We are not talking about it on Buya. You 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 pick and then you see what's up. No, this is not one of those times. It's not one of those things you do and then see what happens. You have to be strict about it. That's why I insisted on having a border guy you can trust, whom you know, being able to dictate what route they take and which side they overtake from so that they understand your standards and accept them someone gave me a very weird one he said old jackets pick the border guy with old jackets this is advice from another friend of mine pick the border guy with an old jacket because it shows experience i have a counter opinion to that your old jacket may represent experience but how bad is your financial situation that you've never bought a new one I own jackets. I I own a bunch of jackets, 150k on average, not dollars, shillings, but you know, it's not like high grade leather or anything, but I pick them based on warmth, comfort, and design. Right? And also the ability to protect me, to keep me intact and okay. So when I see someone with an old jacket that hasn't been catered to in a while, I get a bit concerned. I'm like, yeah, okay, your jacket shows experience, but at the same time, it shows a lack of care. At what point do you stop and say, let me buy a new one? Now, the quality jackets are expensive. I all understand. And uh, the average border guy really dying out the time. But I would also pick a clean, fresh-looking border guy who looks like he has a plan, has invested his money, and does his own thing whereby the border border is just the by the way this could be a businessman who's riding his own border just to test the waters those are guys i'm going to trust because they don't want to die 
they have family, they have people depending on them, they have people who rely on them. Those are the guys you go for. Those are the people who don't want to risk their life and yours just because they want to be fast on the road. Those are the people you need to get with who understand that at the end of the day, if you pass away, there's people who are going to suffer because they were relying on you. And this is going to be the weirdest final point I give. Get a border cyclist who has hobbies and a life. It's no joke. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not playing with your feelings, guys. I'm not joking. Get a border guy who has a life and hobbies. Like they play soccer on Sundays at 4 p.m. They have a schedule. They have a plan. They pick kids for this family at 7 a.m. in the morning every weekday. So they're only available from 9 a.m. Every like Wednesday, they have to do this route for an industry. Every Friday, they have to pick up this person from this place. Get a border person who has other customers who may be unavailable sometimes. That's the only drawback. They may be unavailable sometimes. Sometimes you'll call them and they'll tell you, ha, I'm in Gaiaza. I'm taking someone's kid to preschool. Because if someone can trust their kid to a border border guy every morning to deliver them safely to school, you know they've earned the trust because parents don't mess around with their kids. There's reckless ones, but most parents are not just going to leave their kids in the hands of a random border guy. So people with schedules and plans and hobbies, a border guy was going to tell you, Sunday from 4 to 6 p.m. I'm not available because I'm playing with my soccer club. That guy has a life. He's not on the streets hustling just to make money. He has a life. He's doing other things. Those are the people you consider. That's how you build trust. And finally, this is very, very important, right? If you're picking border borders during the day, based on the parameters we've discussed, right? Pick the guy with the clean bike, the helmet, and all the things that, the, the jacket, the clean, the vibe during the day. Who's passing by on their way to your destination? Because it means it's cheaper. Borders on the move are cheaper. Like you're standing by the roadside and there's a guy passing by and their bike looks like it's in good shape. It's not sounding like a generator on that, but moving slow as hell. Pick that guy. Go with him to where you're going. But remember, dictate terms and conditions. Pick the guy who's passing by on the way to where you're going. It's usually cheaper. At night, it's the opposite. Never pick a border randomly passing by on the road because you don't know them. They either have to be affiliated to the stage of the venue you're leaving from. And when I say affiliated to the stage, I don't mean they hang around occasionally. No, I mean they are based there. How do you tell if they're based there? The bouncers, the other border guys, the Uber people around, everybody knows him from there. When you're traveling at night, pick the border guy that everybody knows at that stage. Don't get the random one swinging by. And then remember, dictate the route they use and the methods. I know so many people who've been robbed in Kololo because the border guy said it's a shortcut. They fell for it and then he parked somewhere and there's another border behind them who showed up with like two guys and they were like, just give us what we want and you won't be hurt. Don't fall for it. The border industry is a trick. How I've survived for 20 years without getting mugged robbed or dying in an accident these are the rules i've used now does it mean you're going to be completely safe and you're immune no just like anything else 
precaution doesn't guarantee 100% safety. It just means reduces your chances of being screwed over and dying. Especially that last part because I really don't want to lose any of you guys who listens into this show. Yeah, I love you people. I don't know most of you, but I love you guys. So for your own safety, because you have families, you have people who depend on you. You haven't come this far just to die out for like that. And I would love for you to stay alive. It's important because I love living. No matter how crazy the hustle is, it's way better than not knowing what the afterlife has to offer. So this is me looking out for y'all. If you have any opinions or, you know, counter arguments to the advice I've given, please feel free to relay them. My social media is uh, Omara Daniel, the LOL model, on Twitter and Instagram, Omara D on Facebook. If you have any qualms about what I've said or disagreements, because I love, you know, counter arguments, <laughs> they make my show. Go to social media, tell me what you think. Omara D or the LOL model on Twitter and Instagram, respectively, Omara D on Facebook, Mr. Piquiuli, or the RX Radio. You know, RX Radio, UG, on Instagram and all social media platforms. Just check it out, post your opinion, tell me what you think. And if you have any more tips that may benefit our border riders as well as the passengers, especially the passengers, please drop them on here. Your opinion is always welcome. Thank you all for tuning in. Have an amazing weekend. And if you are not listening in live, then, uh, you know, download the app eh? so you can get the podcast edition because this is advice I don't want you to miss out on. Enjoy yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Stay alive. Hear me out. 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 You're listening to RX Radio.